Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Amen. Welcome back to Take It or Leave It. We are continuing our study of the breastplate of righteousness. And I just want to start off with an encouragement and a reminder that when we are serving the Lord, it's important that we do not hesitate by asking why, but instead obey what God is telling us to do. After you obey and you do what the Lord is asking, then the answers will come. And often, I can speak from personal experience, after the obedience and you look back, you can really understand the why, why you had to be involved, why the Lord chose to go about it the way that he did. Answers come after obedience. So I want to encourage you all to be obedient. And some might be asking, how do I know that the Lord is talking to me? How do I understand that I'm getting a revelation from the Lord? So this comes through discernment and you will receive the revelation from God when you are sold out to God. This is heart to heart, right? So imagine, actually imagine your ear to his chest, right? We must work hard in the spirit and we must be that close to God, working out our salvation in our prayers. Uh, We are meditating upon his word, getting close to God. He's a relational God. He's not after religion. That passion and attitude that we bring to our relationship with God and our service to God, it brings the revelation from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Today, we are continuing our study on the breastplate of righteousness, and we are digging deeper into the righteousness of God through man. Now, when I say man, I also mean woman, okay? And we've been reading in Ephesians 6 about the whole armor of God, right? And specifically in Ephesians chapter 6, 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so the mention of the breastplate of righteousness, and we've already peeled back a few layers to this, right? So breastplate is the symbol of righteousness. This is what Paul was teaching the servants of God in Ephesus because they were in the midst of spiritual warfare and they needed to understand how they needed to live their lives to stand against the enemy, right? The war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spirit. Amen. So as a review, the breastplate of righteousness is something that covers your front. Okay, the breastplate of righteousness is our important spiritual appearance to the demons who determine if we bring the war in the spirit. Okay, so it's based on what is in you and how you live. It'll be very evident and it's something that they see immediately. In previous episodes of this podcast, we discussed man-made righteousness or man thinking that they are good and born good. As you know, None of us is born good and we all must die to ourselves, not literally, but confessing with our mouth, right? That we aren't good, that we need God to be good, to repent for our sins and to turn away from this world and to live for the one who truly matters, Jesus Christ. Man-made righteousness 
focuses on man making their own standard of righteousness and lowering the standard of God. So man or woman, remember, will always meet the standard. So again, it was man adjusting the standard of God so that they could reach the standard. When man does that, they'll always reach the standard because it's natural that we want to be successful. So even we deceive ourselves and it's important not to do that. These types of people are righteous according to their self. Many are like this today. Do you remember when we discussed Adam and Eve as well? They lost the righteousness of God after they sinned against God. They made their own clothing as a symbol of their own righteousness. They had to make clothes out of fig leaves. Do you remember this? God was calling out, where are you? Right? And why was God saying, where are you? Because Adam and Eve were no longer cloaked with the righteousness of God according to their own standard that they thought was best, right? They understood that they were naked and that was not good. So they had to create this clothing, which is a symbol of their own righteousness. Amen. We also discussed the tax collector and the Pharisee. If you remember, we reviewed the Pharisee was self-righteous and his prayer revealed he was this way by counting his deeds to explain why he is good while providing an unjust comparison to the tax collector who did not even know God. Today, we're going to zoom in on the righteousness of God in man. So this is the righteousness of God by God inside you and inside me right? And it should be inside of us, right? Not man-made righteousness, but the righteousness of God through us. Righteousness gives birth to the breastplate of righteousness. You cannot have the breastplate if you are not righteous. And it's not something that is handed to us, remember, but something that we must present, something that we will produce by obeying God's word. You know, man receives judgment according to character and God tells us our judgments now so that we can fix it to be righteous so that we can escape his judgment in the end. Of course, I'm referring to when Jesus returns to earth, but we must receive his corrections now and instructions now and we must obey now because this produces righteousness. We ought to love the judgment of God. Do you love the judgment of God? You know, the word judges us. We must do something with that, okay? When we learn through his word that we ought to be different, we ought to embrace that and change. The word of God makes us right when we allow it to change us. And woe to the one who rejects him and his teachings. Amen. I want to take you to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, and it says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So when did this start? It began in the house of God. So over 2000 years ago, this started. It's not negative when it's coming from God, right? When judgment is coming from God, it's not negative. If it makes us right, we should love it because it is love. It's coming from God who loves us. God is saying, my son, my daughter, I want you to be right. You need to change. So we agree with it because God is pure and it's always right. Don't you want to be right? I want to be right. And I still struggle, right? As long as we're in this flesh, we still struggle. We still have temptations. But I personally, I love the correction. It's not easy, but we do it with God. We can be successful with God and anything that corrects me is welcome. That is the attitude that we should all have. And don't follow my example. Follow God's example because 
He says that's how we ought to be. When we receive judgment, we can be saved. Our soul can be saved. We just read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, but when you continue in verse 18, it says, Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So being righteous is a must. But even then, if we're scarcely saved, if you picture a line, right? Picture a line. On one side of the line, it's eternal, uh, it's eternity in heaven. And the other side of the line is eternity in hell. If we are scarcely saved, we are so close to that line, barely saved. So it's so important that we embrace the judgment. Even in James chapter 1 verse 21, it's important that we mention the title of this passage, doers, not hearers only, because there is a difference. In verse 21, it says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls so the implanted word okay how can my soul be saved how can your soul be saved we need to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness lay aside all the sin and receive the word with what meekness right the word doesn't just encourage us it corrects us. And that is what James is saying here. James was addressing believers who were assuming to have been saved. And the reason why I say that is because if they were already followers, why did James need to share how to save their souls? And before we go deeper into this, we need to understand something about ourselves and how we were created. I want you to be knowledgeable that man and woman is made up of three parts. We are a three-part being. Can you say that? Say, I am a three-part being. And I'm not speaking from my own opinion here. I'm speaking from the Bible. I'm speaking from the word of God. That is what I'm standing on. And I want to take you to Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Okay. And this is where you can confirm that we are a three-part being. And it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints in Morrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, so we've got the parts. What are the parts? We have the soul, we have the spirit, and we have the body, which is referred to as joints in Morrow. Where's your body? Right? You can look down right now. You can see your arms and your legs. You can touch your arms and your legs, maybe your waist. That's your body. And your body is corruptible. It can be destroyed. It dies and decays right? Your body dies and decays. My body will die and decay. Our bodies can get sick. Why? Because it cannot live forever. It's corruptible. That's why we have things like cancer and other terrible illnesses. Our body can be corrupted. Now the spirit is something you cannot see. It's the one that will be clothed with an incorruptible body. Okay. This is the body that's going to dwell forever, either in heaven or hell. The spirit lives on forever. So I have a spirit and you have a spirit. It's our own spirit lives on forever. Imagine living forever in hell with your spirit cloaked in a body that never dies. You feel everything and you are never destroyed. Hell is eternal pain, eternal pain. Remember in John three, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus was asking Jesus how he can be born again because he wants to escape hell right? We all want to escape hell, but we must be born again. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus shut it down. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we must all be born of water and the Holy Spirit, the living word, right? That's the water, the living water, the word of God and the Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus needed to have his spirit saved, right? Our spirits must be saved. This spirit, which you and I have as a makeup of ourselves, and I'm not referring to the Holy Spirit again, but our spirit, we will be clothed with an incorruptible body and we will dwell forever. That is why it is so important with what we do on earth. We must make a decision to serve Jesus and to serve him seriously. The result of how we live on earth can be eternal death or eternal paradise. And it matters what we do here. So if you imagine your life as a very long line and you just make one tiny speck, that speck on that line can symbolize your time on earth. What you do within that speck, it matters. And it's your choice. It's your choice. Amen. Let's talk about the soul. The soul is our mind. So point to your head. That's your mind. The soul is the system of the body. It makes us walk, eat, sleep, breathe. It commands man or woman how to live after processing information that is learned or received. The soul is needed to live on earth. It's connected to the body. The soul and the body die, but the spirit lives on and again will be clothed with incorruptible bodies. Okay? The spirit lives on and we will be clothed with an incorruptible body. James was saying your soul needs saved. The way of thinking needs to be saved. It needs to change. So the way you think and I think it needs to change. We must have our minds converted to the ways of Jesus and we must change and be molded according to the living word, the word of God. It's everything we need. The soul is referred to as flesh in the Bible and Paul writes a lot about the flesh. That's the soul. So the flesh, it must die. Not literally. That will come naturally, of course, but by die, it means to change. You must be saved and escaped the eternal punishment of hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worms do not die. You must be saved. And this is up to you to work it out for yourself and I work it out for myself. Amen. Do you know anyone who can't seem to stay out of trouble? Maybe somebody who's always struggling. Maybe they're always in trouble with the law. Their souls are not saved. When man is saved or woman is saved, he or she is hungry for the word of God. They're hungry to be right and change. They want to change. They want to be better, not for themselves, but for Jesus Christ, right? And James wrote to the brethren to receive instruction and to take action, okay? To act, to line up with the instructions of God to save their souls. Again, being righteous births your breastplate of righteousness. This is evidence of God in man or woman. Now, when you stand before demons in the spiritual war, they see you. They see you immediately and they say, where's your breastplate of righteousness? Like the Jewish exorcists in Acts 19 who could not cast the demons out of the man, they did not have the breastplate of righteousness. They had not produced that based on how they lived. So even though the Jewish were extremely religious, right? And these Jewish priests, you know, they could be cloaked in their holy tallit, which is their prayer shawl. 
Maybe they even had a shofar in their hand. These are very holy items. But since the breastplate of righteousness was not birthed in them and evident in them, the demons were able to embarrass them, right? They didn't have authority over the demons. So in this study, it's critical to know and understand that the breastplate of righteousness and the full armor of God is not made by God. It handed over to you or me. It's not something that you hold physically. It's produced in you when you line up with God. This is your war clothing. Amen. This is what we make by the power of God. We fight and win when we have this. Are you born again? Then you're in two wars. Did you know this? Let's talk about the second war first. The second war is the spiritual war. This is spiritual warfare. This war is not against flesh and blood, right? Remember in Ephesians 6, it's not against flesh and blood. And we will surely win this war if we win the first war. But the second war, which we're talking about right now, is the war against principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places, etc. Right? Again, that's in Ephesians 6. But what is the first war? The first war is the war between spirit and flesh. So the spirit versus the soul. This victory produces in us the armor of God that we need. When this happens, we will win the second war. In a future teaching, we will learn more about when the first war begins. But I wanted to mention those two wars so that you understand. In order to declare and receive the victory in the second war, we must first win the first war between spirit and soul. Some are in the second war today, but they have yet to win the first war. They haven't yet lost the first war, but they just haven't won. Being in the second war and not right before God can be embarrassing and dangerous. And the demons will expose you for your sins. They will let you know that you do not have authority over them. And you could lose many battles within the second war when you did not receive the victory in the first war. Demons watch and expose any sin. Demons are in the air. Any sin is enough to be accused in public. Just like these Jewish priests, they were humiliated. That happens today and it will continue to happen. So I want to ask you, do you have authority of God in the second war? Where's your armor? Did you produce that? Did you pay your tithes to get it? Or did you produce it by the way that you live according to the word of God? You need to answer this for yourself. Consider this as you meditate on the words taught here today and determine where you need to get right with God. And I also will continue to examine myself and determine where I need to be right with God, where I need to change No other man can tell you where you stand. No other man can tell you if you're saved. You need to compare yourself to the standard of God and take action to get right, to be right consistently all the time in front of people, in privacy. Why? Because the spiritual war is now. It's happening right now. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.